Welcome everybody to this episode of the ISI Life Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about finance. And we are super fortunate to have Jim Weiland from Wellstone here to chat with us today. He started his business in college and has grown it into a very successful wealth management firm working with high-level successful entrepreneurs. And he's been through the ups and the downs and he's here today to share some of his wisdom with all of us. So hope you all enjoy the episode. Stay sharp, everybody. All right. Today we're sitting down with Jim Weiland from Wellstone. Thanks, Jim, for joining us today. This is going to be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, everybody's favorite topic, talking about money, talking about the one of the things that makes the world go round. So um, I'm excited to dive in to everybody's favorite topic today. Well, so to kind of get us going, I know uh, I know known you for quite a few years now, but for those of us who haven't got a chance to know you as long, uh, maybe give us a little little brief background of who you are, where you came from, and how you got to this spot. Love to. Yeah, I um, grew up in Southern California, but turned into an Ohio boy through uh, Indianapolis when I uh, came to Ohio State. So I've been in the Buckeye State for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, although I've got kids all over the country, I've got four sons that are in New York, Santa Cruz, and Portland, Oregon. So um, found my life work when I was 21, and I uh, had some great mentors that directed me to major in finance and accounting and mm-hmm. help people um, uh, with their wealth. So I've been doing that really my whole career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, with Wellstone, you, it sounds like you get a chance to walk along the life of entrepreneurs and not just focus on one element of their life, but really everything that is, it relates to all the finances. And I think that's a huge differentiator. Can you talk about, you know, that, and yet I think it's a unique perspective that you guys take to, to doing business. Yeah. Success is not about money. Uh, it's about everything else. Uh, money comes from really applying skills to something you love to do, hopefully. And, uh, but the, the, the thing I say is the greatest privilege in life for me has been helping somebody succeed and succeed in all the areas of life. Um, and so walking through life for now 40 some years uh, in the same career, you just build these great sort of deep friendships and you go through the ups and downs and you also um, uh, help them really get focused on achieving the important wealth goals that are that are part of being a good steward of of your own life mm-hmm. for your family. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a great segue to one of the things that you shared early on, and you also shared it at um, the ISI events, is touching on those five great financial goals of life um, and giving some. I, what really struck me was it's money is just it's a kind of an ominous thing is you know how do you know if you're doing a great job how do you know if you are succeeding or winning or what are you actually shooting for and you have five that um i think are really simple and direct so maybe shed light on what the five great financial goals are you know when you work with people as long as i have you sort of look at well what's the themes that people really care about and what are the things to strive for and uh they they fall into uh, five categories. We call these the five great financial <laughs> goals of life. So the number one kind of job one is financial independence for life, and um, uh, which is really setting yourself up in a clear path so that you can, if you ever choose to retire, actually retire and not run out of money. It's, it's an important thing. Once you sort of move that along, the second great financial goal of life is transferring wealth to your children, the people you love. And 
helping them along the way. Uh, some cases they, uh, you, you want to help them. Other cases <laughs> you actually need to. Sure. Because they're eventually going to inherit most of your money anyway. You might as well, you know, it's better to do your giving while you're living uh, with your kids. And um, so that's, that's the second goal. The third, which is, you got to be a little older for this. Um, I have two grandkids now um, that are going on seven and five out in California. And that's to provide educational funds for grandchildren. And I've watched um, many clients start to do that on a regular basis. Uh, one has 12, and uh, every one of them now, I guess there's five that have gone through, mm-hmm. never you know, covered their whole college expense. And it just wasn't good strategic use a 529 plan. And the joy of watching that happen has really been cool. That's the third one. The fourth one often becomes the first one if there's a need, and that's to provide funds to care for your parents in their later years. And um, so uh, they totally took care of you while you were young, so it's nice to take care of them if they need help later. And the fifth one is really kind of a lifetime one, but it's it's to um, fund a charitable legacy. Again, better to do your giving while you're living, use appreciated securities, but at the end of the day, how much is enough for your kids? Mm-hmm. And figuring out what you really are passionate about and how to allocate parts of your estate to make a difference or leave a, a amount of funds to really uh, help things that you cared about while you were living. So five amazing goals to shoot for. And I love the, the idea of, um, giving while you're living, you know, not only to your children, but, um, also to some organizations that you can see thrive while you are here to watch it and see it and, uh, impact it. And so I, that really stood out to me. Um, and so speaking of this, this is all predicated on success and, you know, doing well at your vocation or your faculty, as we talk about it in ISI, and so coming alongside entrepreneurs in their lives, I'm sure you've seen patterns of success in, in those entrepreneurs or in those, your clients, entrepreneurs or not. And just curious if you could touch on what you've seen in terms of a high level, you know, pattern wise. That's a good question. Um, the people that do the best are people that get, end up with a career that they are able to apply what I call their unique abilities um, pretty regularly in what they do. And um, uh, you know, the things that come naturally to you, and we you know there's all these wonderful tests you can take now mm-hmm. to find out. And this is also a responsibility to help your kids with this. I've tried to do that. But um, a unique ability would be defined as the things you do that give you energy, mm-hmm. um, that you absolutely love doing, that you want to do more and more. And that just come naturally. And uh, you know, for me, I kind of didn't know because it was a long time ago. But uh, I, I was just fortunate. I found um, you know a career and built a whole big organization around really serving, uh, ministering to people in the wealth um, uh, stewardship area. And um, it fits me. You know, just feel real fortunate. The people that aren't happy, I think. The, the pattern of unsuccess or where they get into a career that really doesn't do those four things mm. and they find themselves later going, this is a job. This is not, this is not a life that I want to live. And so we have a responsibility to, to get into a pattern of success. And the first thing is to know what are our gifts mm-hmm. and then try to find a job that fits those. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Those four that you have there, you know, energy, you love doing it. You want to do it more and more. And uh, they're your God-given strengths, but you just feel like it comes natural to you. You don't have to work, work really hard at it. I mean, you got to work hard, but it just comes easy to you. 
The other key thing is, you know, everybody's got, with every strength is a weakness, and that's the way we're made. Um, so finding um, synergistic people to surround yourself with, people that have complementary abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, I've watched Nick, uh, you and Joe for a number of years mm-hmm. now, and just, you, you're gifted very differently, but together it's one plus one equals five, rather mm-hmm. than, you know, you have strength and he has strength. If you end up working with people that have exactly what you have in terms of strength, it, it's not doesn't work as well. Yeah. So, um, I remember making that mistake with our first first kind of hire that we wanted to make in the company. I was like, I want more people like me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, really the advice that we got was you actually need the opposite. You need people around you that can support you um, and kind of offset your strengths. That yeah, you and, and, and as I've, I've had the same partner since 1981. So Paul Breen is his name. He's a CPA. He's an analytical and he's Mr. Harmony, and, and he's a great balance for me. So mm. we need to find people that will be truth tellers, but also, you know, skills that are that are complementary, and then also give you some balance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I see that not only in business, but also in my you know marriage with Nancy too. It's uh, you know together we're way stronger than we are apart. So it's awesome. Um, you talked about you know patterns of you know failure or lack of success. And I know you have some, some thoughts and some, some scripture references on things that we do that kind of take us off the path of success. And, you know, talking about um, maybe some of the lust of the world or the things that people tell you that you need. And talk about some of the experiences you've seen with that of kind of some things we can avoid in the path that we don't want to go down. <laughs> Oh my, that's a big one. Yeah. I could talk about that one for a long time. Um, uh, for, for years I've been involved somewhat with the PGA Tour Golf and the chapel and uh, the people that run that. And gosh, back in 1986, you know, I live on the, I used to live on the 15th hole at Muirfield Golf mm-hmm. Club. And uh, a guy named Larry Moody, who started Search Ministries, uh, shared this with me. And this is, I'm going to give you the really brief version. And if anybody wants this, uh, Nick has it and can post it and send it to you. But yeah. basically, it's the world's versus God's answers for satisfying personal needs. And the real simple summary is that we all have three basic needs. We want security. We want significance. We want satisfaction. And uh, the world offers up three temporary places to get those. We find our security through people. Uh, we find our significance through possessions. And we find our satisfaction through our position. And uh, all of those are temporary. Um, you know, one of my good friends um, was at the top of the world and then for a combination of things really lost all three of those in a very quick time frame. And mm. those are the things that wipe people out. That's why suicides happen because they got no other place to turn unless you find God's answers. Mm. And God's answers are permanent. So you find your security through God the Father because... He loves us unconditionally and adopts us into his family. That's unbelievable. And when you find our identity and worth and significance through, through uh, uh, the Son, through Jesus, who um, adopts us, you know, again into the spiritual body of Christ and says he loves us just the way we are, that's way cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, we find our satisfaction, achievement, and success through the Holy Spirit, through the gifts, through applying unique abilities uh, in the, the work and the people that you touch. So those, those answers, and then there's a great verse that I'm going to actually read. Yeah, um, please. Yeah, this is, 
This is the message version, so this is the linebacker's version, so uh, easy to understand. 1 John 2, uh, verses 15 to 17. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, and there's three things, wanting your own way, which is defined as lust of the flesh, Secondly, wanting everything for yourself, which is defined as lust mm-hmm. of the eye. I want a nicer car. I want a bigger <laughs> house. I want more. Uh, and the third one is wanting to appear important, which is you'd call the boastful pride of life. has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him, the world, and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Uh, you know, it's kind of easy to say, but it's so easy to get lost. I've been lost in all of those. We all mm. are. We're all subject to those lusts. And so, but having perspective on what's really important. And um, um, to me, it's been uh, the understanding that um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are here to, to love me and encourage me and hold me accountable and also uh, give me a greater view of what's really important. Hmm. I love this. And maybe from a Practical example, um, these wants, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important um, is kind of driving a wedge between you and wanting God and needing that relationship with God. What what have you found or seen as uh, ways where you have found yourself finding, you know, eliminating that wedge, drawing yourself closer to God where, you know, you're, you've kind of filled that desire or that want that you've had personally in your own life? Uh, don't don't be a loner. Um, I think um, uh, having somebody that's a truth teller in your life that you can um, be real with, who can ask you the hard questions, in other words, be accountable, mm-hmm. um, is uh, really key. So small groups, breakfast, one-on-one. Uh, one of my things I thought about before this, I can't remember where the study came from, but they did a study on men. Mm-hmm. And um, the study came out that uh, the average man has 0.8 true friends yeah so less than that. one it's like okay it's kind of hard to point eight but that's the average so some had none some had more mm-hmm. and um so uh, the the key for me has been um both in my own sort of quiet you know bible reading or reading things that are encouraging or mm-hmm. direction but also doing that in in, a, in men's groups and you know this this iron sharpens iron um uh, is, is a marvelous gathering of men for 24 hours yeah. and just it's life-changing it's it's encouraging it's way cool to see these these diverse guys who are um in all different phases of sort of spiritual understanding or yep. life walk yep, totally. um, all get sort of the same message that's a better way to do things and yeah i want to do better yeah absolutely that that accountability is huge that's a big piece that we're trying to build in more and more into our retreats to, to give that accountability. And, you know, I'm thankful to have people in my life that, you know, would hopefully put me above the 0.8 <laughs> average. Um, but for maybe some of those who maybe we feel like we are at 0.8 or 0.5, um, any thoughts on where to, where to start? I mean, ISI is a great place to start, but if you are, if that's not an option for you and you're, and you're really trying to hone in on your finances and be a good steward of your, of your resources and what, you know, God has blessed you with any practical advice on ways to create those accountability circles as it relates to money. Yeah. Money is, um, uh, what do they say? You know, if you want to, if you want to know where your heart is, just open up your checkbook. Mm. 
and um, the um, it takes some vulnerability there. Yeah, it takes some vulnerability, and so what do you do with your your money, and and are you responsible? And so um, a long time ago, um, this came out of Focus on the Family. It just talked about uh, there's and also another great teacher named Andy Stanley talks mm-hmm. about you know the world says live first, save second, and give third. And um, that means there's very little left to save and very little left usually to, um, to give. Mm-hmm. And the, the reverse of that is really what, uh, what leads to great freedom, and that is to give first, mm. um, things you care about, passionate about, um, first fruits, tithe, anything you want to call it. But take the first dollars and make a difference with it. Save second, because that's a stewardship. That's how you accomplish the five great financial goals of mm-hmm. life. Uh, and, of course, the give helps you accomplish the legacy. Um, and then uh, live. Um, the, the, the Enjoy life and, and be free. The mm-hmm. freedom of um, uh, uh, giving, saving, and living is unbelievable. Uh, the people get into debt because they what? They spend more than they have. Well, then they really can't, they aren't saving and they can't give because they're in this trap. Yeah, they kind of have it upside down. The more live, save, give would be the opposite. And life's a cycle. You know, there's stressful times, early marriage, young kids, uh, lots of activities. So you can kind of, but you have a plan. You have Mm -hmm. a, here's my target. I'm going to give, if you were given 1%, then try to give two and then three and then four. Increase it to a point where... Because later on, when you find that you're doing well and your income goes up, your lifestyle won't change. You'll have a lot more you can save and a lot more you can give. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful freedom. Yeah. when it, They talk about that in the, the book you referenced, uh, The Treasure Principle, was obviously impactful to you. I remember actually seeing it in your office. I think it was on one of the bookshelves, among many others. But was that a meaningful book to you or one that you give out very much i'll use a client i have a client who th- used to be a three-star general in the air force and then was entrepreneur of the year and oh, wow. general novak and um, i love this guy and he's been one of the you know best sort of learners he's a great teacher too but anyway and the five great goals he's like my my poster child well i, I just recently was with him down in naples a couple weeks ago and he said you know I want to thank you for sharing with me the treasure principle by mm. Randy Alcorn, which is <laughs> subtitles discovering the secret of joyful giving. And he said, that was just transformational. I just totally now understand that I'm just a steward of all these things that God's given me. And my job is to be like a bank would be to be responsible with them. Mm. Yes, I should enjoy life, but also I need to make a difference and, and giving joyfully is because it's a big priority. It's, it's just so, so John's comment was, it's, about, it's only like a 50-page It's a short book. little so thing. You can yeah. read it in an hour. Yeah. So uh, get on your Amazon, pick that book up. I guarantee you it will be a great uh, learning for you that will help. Yeah. Change, I think it has a change of heart uh, mentality versus this is mine versus, that's, and that's a big shift, right? This is my money versus yeah. this is, I'm a servant of this money. I'm a steward yeah. of this money. Yeah. Well, in that prior thing that I, I shared about God's versus the world's answers to our needs. The world's view and God's views are completely opposite. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, the world's views is I own it all. I earned it all. I'm going to do what I want with it. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, is um, you'll never be satisfied. There's always someone with a faster gun and a <laughs> bigger car and a bigger boat and more money. And so you just can't win that game. So hmm. you, you work within your own resources and you, Realize, 
I'm entrusted with this. I want to do good with this. I want to, to hear someday from uh, my children, from my, my friends, from uh, my Lord, well done. Mm. You, you were, you listened, and you were responsible with the, the, the blessings I gave you. It's, it's so interesting um, doing a couple of these interviews because we I was interviewing uh, Dave from Track Athletics, Dave Regula, yeah. um, and he was talking about fitness. And I was asking him some of the things people do to uh, just improve their performance and just kind of stay on track. And really, he said it actually has nothing to do with, you know, what. I mean, obviously you have to come in and do the work, but it starts with the mentality. It starts with your mindset of how you view it, your identity, you know, mm-hmm. your, the vision and the image you have for yourself will directly relate to the work that you're going to put in. And I guess I'm hearing a similar theme here between how you view your identity in terms of money can greatly impact how you relate to it. If you have the, the worldview of I own it all and, you know, chasing the bigger thing versus I'm a steward of it all. That's a that's an identity difference and a mindset difference that then impacts every other decision after that. Um, so it's cool to see these themes coming through uh, over time. Yeah, I'm smiling because I'm thinking about um, early on. Um, uh, you know, my dream car was a, a um, Jaguar XKE convertible, and so at age 22 or three, bought a used one. Oh, nice! And that was my identity. I mean, oh my gosh, this cool car, and and. Um, so, and then it got wrecked. Um, someone ran a light, hit it in the back, and, and I didn't have a car, and so my friend loaned me his car. <laughs> it was a Volkswagen dune buggy, multicolored, um, you know, the kind that you'd park down the street so someone doesn't see you driving it. And I realized I was kind of hung up on my image in wow. this Jaguar. So, happens to all of us. Um, um, it's okay to own great cars. I love cars and nice homes. And, but it's all in balance, all in perspective. It's all proportional. And the freedom of living and, and enjoying what you've done is it comes so much greater when you're, you've been responsible with your giving and your, and your saving hmm. first. So you're driving around in this car and you're like, what is going on here? <laughs> was, in hindsight, it was probably a great lesson for you. It's a great lesson. Great yeah. lesson. It's a little, little embarrassing, but <laughs> well, but it, it, it showed, you know, to you, maybe illuminated something that maybe you weren't fully aware of. Exactly. And yeah, has that stuck with you? I mean, since then it has. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's like I said, everything's temporary. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, I've just watched, you know, the greatest people get all fired up when they have this wonderful success, sell their company for 50 million or a hundred million that we may have been. And they realized shortly thereafter that, you know, that really didn't satisfy me. Mm-hmm. It was, it's amazing. And oh my gosh, I bought my dream car, my green boat or, and it's all, it's just, it's just another piece of metal. It's just another something to take care of. Yeah. And the real, real satisfaction, the real joy in life doesn't come around possessions or position. It really comes around people and faith and, mm. and giving back and making a difference, touching lives. Yeah. And you've, you've pressed into that that latter part of the thing that does give you that true fulfillment and joy uh, in terms of your family and some of the intentional decisions you've made. Uh, would you mind willing to sharing some of the, you know, shifting the where and how you spend your resources to the areas that are the greatest fulfilling? What are some things that you've, you guys have done in the Weiland family or elsewhere that is that great source of joy? Yeah, well, um, the best advice I ever received and now I give to everybody. And again, I'm older, so I've got grown children and two grandchildren, and we're in uh, four states, yeah. New York and California and Oregon and Columbus, Ohio. So um, uh, 
our big thing is to find the coolest place we want to go and have an absolutely all-expenses-paid trip uh, where everybody comes together for eight days or seven days. We just got back from just north of Puerto Vallarta to Mexico, house on the beach, surfing, people serving food too. It was magical. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, those are the memories you make. And that's how you keep your family close together. And you try to do things that are just fun, but also play, love to play games, but also just talk and share and relax. And mm-hmm. those things are precious. Too many families get all split up and then they, they because they aren't together very often, they, they don't, they, the friendships and the relationships fade. And that's the best investment you can make is keep pouring it into your family and get yeah. them together. That personal, I love that idea of a annual family vacation where everybody comes together. I've shared with you, we've done a family ski trip and it's the same thing. It's just rich time together, no cell service on the lake and just time to talk, time to hang out. And, uh, and I guess I bring that up because you can intentionally plan that when you're looking at your finances and say, am I putting money here or there? And you said your checkbook and how yeah. you spend your money is going to be a great, great tool for well, that's a priority for what you spend. People waste so much money because they don't track. I mean, Quicken and Mint, all these wonderful tools now. Most of your banks, they'll show you exactly where your money goes. And um, if you set some goals up in January and you get alignment with your spouse, that's so important because usually there's one spender and one not so much of a spender. And you just have to agree that this is going to be our, our goal and mm. we're going to stay within it. And um, and you keep reviewing it, you know, a monthly review. Just you've got to be accountable that way mm-hmm. with each other. And any recommendations on cadence for that? I mean, the technical question, but do you recommend people kind of set a plan for the year and then check in on it every so often? Or what's your advice when yeah. it comes to like practical? Uh, I've always been very, um, like you, Nick, uh, very goal oriented. Let's get things down and your partner, Joe. And um, so get it on paper. Uh, share it with your spouse or somebody that you can be accountable to. Sure. And then, you know, you can see it every day, but that's too often. So monthly is the most often you ought to review it. Okay. So you're balancing your checkbook and you're looking at, gotcha. did I do the things I wanted to do? Or quarterly would be the least often you ought to do it. Hmm. And at the end of the day, as you're, when you monitor, whatever you measure and monitor, you achieve. achieve yeah. It just happens that way. Hmm. If you put it on a piece of paper and ignore it for the whole year, it, it, it was a waste of time putting it on a piece of paper. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. That's a good, good advice. And there's, there's no shortage of ways to track it. Like you mentioned, there's more tools than ever. So yeah. it's just a matter of, of doing it. What about, um, you know, just switching gears more to, you know, uh, yes, you, you know, personally and some of the, I guess, habits or things and rituals that you may, may probably subconscious at this point, things that you just do automatically, um, that, that people could gleam. So, you know, touching on habits, um, or rituals, are there any, you know, daily rituals or daily, weekly, monthly things that you do that kind of keep you in line? Oh, the one that comes to mind is kind of practical as it might be is, is just having uh, on outlook for me, it's just having three categories of tasks, you know, Mm -hmm. high and normal and low and high sort of the, the key things in business. Normal is serving, the clients that I serve, the things I'm working on for them, like getting ready for a meeting. And low tends to be personal things or, or relational things. And it's not low because it's not important. And just trying to every day figure out what's the best way I can allocate my time mm-hmm. to serve the people I want to serve and to stay healthy, mm-hmm. uh, to stay 
um, learning and focused, and, and that just works for me. It's, you know, I'm one of those guys, I did some early testing, and it said every day I start at zero. Mm. So my mentality is, it doesn't matter what I did yesterday, I, I need to make today a successful day. And um, huh. that habit started a long time ago. So, so do you look at, walk me through a typical, do you, do you do the night before thing where you look at the next day ahead, like today's Tuesday, we're doing this. Would you look Tuesday night at Wednesday or would you kind of get in first thing Wednesday and look what you already have? Talk to me a little bit through how you do the high, medium, low thing. Yeah, it, it, it's not always the same, um, but I'll just say for sure, first thing after I've done my quiet time and got my coffee, <laughs> or I get my coffee and then I do my quiet time. Um, it's always look at my day, get my priorities in order, mm. figure out what I'm got to finish preparing for if sure. I've got a meeting and uh, or whatever it is, and then just be methodical about working through those those tasks. And uh, it's it's very rewarding. Uh, you know, I love what I do anyway. But to, to, to start a day and then finish it and, and look back and say, okay, I, I was a good steward of my time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then of course, one of the things that a lot of us entrepreneurs, we have trouble saying, turning it off. It's time to play. It's yeah. time to turn into dead whatever. mode. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So free days, we got to have free days. There's a great analogy from sports that comes from Dan Sullivan mm-hmm. and the strategic coach, which I know you've gone through. Sure. Yeah. And he talks about, you know, there's three types of days. And, uh, you know, one is uh, uh, just a totally free day, which means no business, no I, no iPhone, no emails. 100% free. Hard to free. do. Yeah. And the next one is <laughs> practice day. So you're getting ready for the game. You're mm-hmm. actually, you know, preparing, delegating, cleaning up messes, whatever it might be. And then there's the game day, you know, the, the actually getting in and doing the things that you're best at. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, trying to find the right balance between free days and uh, practice days and focus days. So I, I love focus days. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, get up for a game. You know, I, I'd rather put all my focus stuff in one day because mm-hmm. it's, you just gear up for that. Yeah, just get ready and, and yeah, get like on Friday stage. Night football. All right, it's time to go. Let's do, go. Do your or thing. Cross game or whatever. So, um, yeah. That was it. a huge concept for me, the difference between a, you know, free focus or buffer or practice, you know, setup days, whatever they're, you know, different terms and, um, realizing that kind of comes back to the earlier comment, you were talking about unique ability and knowing yeah. what your sweet spot is. And I, you know, I think of time the same way is it, we all have, you know, the same amount of time in a day. How am I using? It's very similar to our money. It's, it's a, yeah. you know, it's a resource. Well, the thing that comes to mind is kind of a pop-up, but in, in, there's nothing in the Bible about retirement. It's, it's, you know, serve well, do well with your life. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, like Billy Graham, I'll use that analogy. I got to know him a bit over the years and, um, through the fellowship of Christian athletes and, and Graham lots. And anyway, Billy, he, he, because he was really good at focus days, mm-hmm. he did less and less of his crusades, but he kept doing them until he was almost 90 years old. It's amazing. And um, so for a lot of us, our greatest wisdom and our greatest ability to make a difference is when we're 60 and 70 and 80 years old, mm. why in the world would we stop? Right. Yeah. If, if you love what you do and you're good at it, then just do it less because you don't need as many practice days, yeah. buffer days. Right. You can just have more free days. So you have free days and you have focus days and you stay in the game and you stay young and you keep making a difference. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's me. Yeah. I want to be that. Yeah, absolutely. I we watched uh, the documentary on Netflix the, and it was I was blown away by the Billy Graham documentary. It was, yeah. I was absolutely blown away by it. 
did not realize, um, <laughs> you know, the, I knew the impact he had, but I didn't know the details that were going into it. I'd definitely recommend it for anybody to check it out. And I noticed too, and you're kind of going back to also your five great financial goals. None of them talks about retirement. It's, it's laced in there, you know, potentially, mm -hmm. but it, it doesn't say retire and go, you know, yeah. play golf every day. Yeah, how much, you know, uh, it's the ability to retire. It's the ability to say, you know, I don't need to earn a paycheck anymore mm. to be financially secure. That's, that's, there's a big freedom in that. Mm -hmm. And if you're a good steward and you're methodical, you'll, you'll achieve that. But then um, uh, if you retire, now again, retirement, success, is, if you retire and go into a ministry or go into making a difference, that's way cool. I mean, now you're applying your unique abilities to, you don't need to get paid. Yeah. But if you're really good at what you, and you like, what you do, just do it less mm -hmm. and do it in your in your sweet spots. Yeah. Areas, so. I love that. Yeah. Having the ability to choose to do it less is a great, yeah. great gift, great blessing. Um, this is kind of a uh, out, of, out of a left field question, but I think in in terms of going down that path and building your wealth and building up to the point where you can um, maybe step away from less focused days or less time in the game. And obviously, a lot of people uh, have different approaches to, you know, wealth management, financial management, whatever you want to call it. Um, do you have any practical advice on uh, looking for the right kind of partner, looking for the right kind of person to walk along that path with you to help you with the decisions about how to allocate your money, how to spend your money, how to invest your money? Because um, for, for those of us listening, you know, Wellstone's a great company, but not all of us may be able to be in touch with you or maybe it's further mm -hmm. away or be different situations. So, well, I think there are, there are, well, we're in an industry that like many is, you know, is we got way too many dishonest people. I mean, mm -hmm. you hear about them, you read about them, the Bernie Madoffs and on and on. And, and there's also a lot of very honorable people that, um, you know, are, you know, really, truly just totally focused on serving their client and following the golden rule of make the differences that they'd want you to make a difference. So uh, what are the, what are a couple of practical things? You know, the, the common degree is a certified financial planner. That's like a master's degree. And mm. uh, the most um, sort of uh, respected place is someone who's a registered investment advisor, completely independent, doesn't work for a company, doesn't sell a product. It's 100% on the client side mm. of uh, advice and, and investment management. Firms like Charles Schwab and Fidelity and Vanguard that are low cost and low fee and really will maybe be good custodians of your assets is a great source too. But you really got to find someone you like. You know, in, in, in con it's a very personal thing, mm -hmm. uh, the, the money, and it's somewhat vulnerable too. So. Sure. Um, it, it, there's like four things you got to do. One, you got to find someone that you like and, and can trust and sure. respect because mm -hmm. you're going to kind of walk through life with them. It's kind of the way it works. The second thing is that you understand their kind of cost benefit. You know, can they add more value than they cost? That's really important. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is they already really know. They've done a lot of things. They've served people like you. They know people in your position, in your role. You're an entrepreneur. You're a doctor. You're whatever. They actually understand that piece. And then the, the fourth thing, which is key, is that, that they be willing to give you clear, definitive recommendations and also your responsibility is to take it, that advice and, and mm. act on it. Mm. Um, you know, those are the four keys to a successful consulting relationship. Um, and in the wealth advisory area, 
you really would like to do that over a long period of time. Uh, it's, it's just more helpful to have the same sort of, it's like having the same coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get to know you, they understand you, they, they're there to, to serve you and keep moving you to the next level. Yeah. Well, that's what, you know, I've, I think a neat thing that you guys do is lead with your values first. And it's very obvious, you know, where you stand from, um, you know, your worldview and your values. And I think that's, an important piece because uh, that come, kind of comes back to your mindset and identity and what's at the root of those decisions. Um, and so some of those decisions that come along the way may not, they have different implications for what financial decisions you might make based on your priorities in life. And so. Very uh, true. Yeah. I love, I love that. Um, all right. As we kind of sw- turn the corner here, land the plane. Um, it, just curious if you have uh, any other, you know, tools or things you you do on a daily basis or things you couldn't live without? Hmm. Things I couldn't live without. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, <laughs> I, I could not live without the uh, relationship I have with Christ. It just it's, makes all the difference every day. Um, to know that I'm loved unconditionally and that... Um, you know, they don't have to compete or compare. I can just be Jim. Hmm. That was huge freedom for me when I was, I guess I was uh, 18 years old on the beach in California when I figured that out. Wow. Thanks to a Bible study with crew. Yeah. Um, back then it wasn't called that. But, um, you know, I, I have been one who has gotten lost in work at times. And so uh, my children will tell you that, Dad, you were always available. And, and, um, and I, I would love to undo that, but mm-hmm. that was part of the deal. So, but family and friends and, and, and partners, uh, partners, marriage partners, work partners, those are the people, you only have so much time, you got to pick your partners well and you got to invest your time well. So yeah. it's hard to say no unless you know what you're saying yes to first. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was too often out doing, going, instead of saying yes to the things that really mattered that mm. would cause me to limit some of my other activities. That, yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, it's, that's kind of a big core principle that we want to teach at ISI is, you know, the big five that we, that we teach on is, mm-hmm. you know, your faith, your faculty, your family, your key relationships, fitness and finance. It's like, those are the boulders, you know, and if you can be pretty good in most of those or all those, um, everything else seems to take care of itself. And yeah, with faith at the center of all that, usually it's, it's not always there. We put the faith in the middle and if you follow the ISI plan, that works really well. And I'll, I'll add this Mm -hmm. in life. It's not always going to be perfectly balanced. You're going to overweight some to these areas and you're going to underweight. So if you spend an awful lot of time doing certain things, you might spend less time during that season doing fitness. Sure. Now you got to balance it back out. So it's proportional. It's like a rubber puzzle again. So you only got so much time. You want to do all things well, but sometimes you just have to really lean into mm-hmm. a couple of the areas and then find a balance back. But your life, you know, these are choices you make every day. Am I going to do this? Am I going to do yeah. that? Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, previous guests, you know, said it's, it's gonna be really hard to be an A plus in all five of those at the same time. And I, I, you know, 
that's kind of what I shoot for. And I realize it's really hard, if not impossible to do that. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, I challenge you to think about it being prioritized versus equal in all those, you know, don't try to be an A plus and all, but right now of those being conscious of that, they're all important, but maybe some take more priority in terms of your schedule and your time. Yeah. Another Dan Sullivan is, uh, um, progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always a performance gap. You, and if you, if you, if you're like Nick is looking across to <laughs> me, it's like you can be like 98%, but yeah, I didn't quite get to a hundred. <laughs> and you, so you beat yourself up over the two. Well, I've learned that, um, give yourself permission to keep trying to make progress, progress, mm-hmm. progress toward, toward whatever those goals are in each of those five key areas. And, that's more satisfying than always looking at the gap. Mm-hmm. So uh, recommend figure out what progress looks like. So if, if you want to exercise X times and you don't quite make it, but you made three, yeah. that's okay. That's yeah. better than you did two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love uh, A lot of the concepts learned in strategic coach have been really beneficial, especially that one. Yeah, uh, and to touch on that, he, he mentions always measure backwards is the – you know, look at the progress you've made, look where you've come from, because right. that's a sense of confidence and strength and power, as opposed to, I only got two in, I wanted to do five. It's like, well, you got two. focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, don't focus on the three that you didn't get. So uh, I love that too. Um, well, I know some people have them, some people don't, but I'm curious, do you have a, um, do you have a life verse, a thing that you, for whatever reason, just like you always come back to it and always speaks to you? Yeah. <laughs> as a as a pastor who's kind of like the Felsberg Christian Athletes pastor named Chip Ingram, he's out in California now, and uh, it's called Living on the Edge. And uh, he um, he teaches a lot on Romans twelve, and so my life verse is Romans twelve mm. verses one and two. So can I share that? Yeah, with you? absolutely. Yeah. So here's what I want you to do: God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out recognize or readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops a wealth for maturity in you. So that's, that's one. And I've always loved Proverbs 27, 17, uh, way before <laughs> ISI. Yeah. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another or one man sharpens another. There you go. That's one of uh, my favorites. Thanks for sharing. I love that. Love that verse too. Um, so, is there a way where people can connect with you outside of this? Is there a best way to connect with Jim or Wellstone? Best way is email. Okay. And um, uh, my email is jwyland, W-Y-L-A-N-D at Wealthstone, like moneystone dot net. Okay. Awesome. Appreciate it. Well, um, if you'd be willing to uh, close us in a word of prayer, be I'd love to. I'll have the honor. Love to, Lord. We just uh, we need your help, and we we just are thankful that you're always there to help us. Um, I, I just pray you'd use some of these thoughts and wisdom that I've learned from everybody else. Uh, that you'd uh, use them and uh, help pe- people be better, uh, Lord. That you'd you'd help them to know you, and that um, and that uh, they would make it a priority to find this balance in life with faith at the center 
and to do things well. I think that uh, that's a choice we make every day. So help us to be excellent. Uh, help us to, to learn and grow and to come alongside um, uh, people that are like us so that can help us and also be there to help others. Thanks for loving us unconditionally. Help us to do the same for others in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Fantastic. It's fun. You're welcome.